Hello and welcome to another Guildhall School podcast and today we're talking about our second drama production of the spring term in the Milton Court Studio Theatre which is Edward Bond's Saved uh, directed by John Hyder and designed by Frankie Bradshaw and today I'm really glad to welcome our guests director John Hyder and cast members Tom Glenister, Ellie Ronsley and Joe Bolland. Thanks for joining us guys. So for people who might not know about Saved and it's quite storied history shall we say can you give us a little bit of an introduction to the to the play? So Saved was written by Edward Bond um, and performed at the Royal Court in the mid-1960s and has been, I think, one of the most influential pieces of modern British playwriting um, ever since then, really. Uh, It it shocked me when I read it for the first time. I read it probably about five or six years ago and just thought it was incredibly modern, despite having been written, you know, over five decades before that. Mm. and to me, it felt incredibly necessary, I think, to put it on now in light of recent political events and especially in light of the way that youth culture is viewed, I think, in London and across the UK and across the world, really, um, that these people can live incredible, seemingly incredibly ordinary lives and actually have this burning desire for something more. And and that leads them into, you know, both ecstatic places and also terrible situations that they're unable to escape from and that just felt universal and um augmented by this incredible kind of poetry that comes out of a seemingly naturalistic dialogue that's that's anything but at times i think so it feels Mm. totally unique to me then and now and i think it's it we have such a responsibility to take a piece of work like that on and make it feel new um that's been my top priority you know it's that great kind of royal court adage of treat every classic like a new play and every new play like a classic Mm. and i think if we can do that then we'll have hopefully done our job you mentioned it it feels very modern even though it was written so so long ago how how has that kind of context informed the way you've you've approached the way you want to to do this production has it you've kind of been looking at that original setting or is it is it speaking very much about uh, modern modern times as well. I mean, I think it, like any great play, you know, it speaks to its own age and, and to ours and probably will continue to do that forever. Um, but in the same way as you might look at a Greek play, I think that it, it's, its resonance is totally human and, and kind of universal. So I haven't tried to take it out of its immediate context um, because I think that's important. And I think he's so specific and prescriptive in a kind of masterful way about how he wants those scenes to be to be read and also mm. to be seen you know he talks in in the introduction to the play about a bare stage or as bare as possible and i think there's something in that there's something about stripping you know the aesthetic down to its bare essentials and seeing them totally exposed in mm. this empty space so i've tried to honor his stage directions and his his idea for the world of the play as much as possible but i think that you know he's such a good writer that you wouldn't have to do much for it to feel relevant to now anyway mm. Um, I'm sure there is a version of this where you um, set it in 2018 on a South London council estate, but I'm not sure that that version is any more relevant actually to us than, than his version is. Mm. And there's something about the the immediate past where, um, you know, it's almost like it's dead ground. It's harder for us to see in some ways, but I think we can make an imaginative leap um, into a time like 1965 um, and see ourselves reflected or maybe refracted through that time mm. than we can see ourselves presented within a 2018 context in some ways. That sounds paradoxical, but I think it's probably true. Yeah. So we're just trying to keep it truthful 
and integral, I think, are the two things that I've tried to kind of work out. Um, mm. And then you just want good actors in the room to to, to bring that to, to those characters, really, because you're creating a world, but it doesn't really exist until you put people into it. So we're very lucky to be working with people that care about it as much as as all of the creative team do. Yeah, and seamless segue into bringing our actors in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so can you can you guys give us a bit of an introduction to, to who you're playing and how you all fit into the play? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm playing Fred, uh, and he he's a character that comes in um, at quite a quite an awkward time for for, for Len, the central character. Um, it's it's this really beautiful scene where Len and, and Pam are on a rowing boat, and it, it's their second date together. Um, and Fred works there, and he he comes in, and he's a bit flirtatious with Pam, uh, but they, they sort of leave before anything really happens between them. And then the next time you see Fred, he's going out with Pam, and he's taking her out on a night out, and she's had his kid, or had uh, his kid, or Len's kid. Um, it's it's not definite in the text whose mm. whose baby it is. Um, so he's kind of the the secondary love interest who comes in and kind of. Is, is the is the problem for Len, but is also a friend to Len as well. Like there's a, a scene with the two of them fishing together, and I, I find the part really interesting because he's someone that that seems to be interested in in sex and uh, in like having banter with the boys, but he has moments of being gentle and at uh, this moment where he teaches Len how to bait a hook, and there just seems to be something something in him that that is fatherly, uh, mm. and yet at the same time he's, he seems to try and shun and run away from his responsibilities as a father, which is a really interesting push and pull mm. in the character. Uh, I play Mary. Um, I am Pam's mum, and sort of essentially La- Len's landlady. Um, I rent the room out to him. Uh, I'm part of the older generation in the play, really. I'm 45, and most of the kids in the play are around their 20s but um, I think what's really interesting about Mary is uh, and this was something that John raised very early which is something I actually hadn't interpreted and is reflected a lot in the costume is uh, how how alive Mary is Um, people remark that she still looks good for her age she's like a very um, attractive woman but in a lot of ways I think um, it's strange, she's a bit of a, well it's my opinion I suppose, I don't want to oppose it, but I think of her as a bit of like a caged bird in some ways, you mm. see, you barely really see her out of the house and she's all done up and very gorgeous, but she's, um, yeah, she doesn't really leave, she's dressed up and sort of nowhere to go a lot of the time and um, it's just really interesting, I think that that frustration and the domestic role that she plays, which fills her whole life, mm. is sort of pours out of her in interesting ways, the frustration and youth that is still within her. Um, yeah, I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about you, Tom? Uh, I play uh, a character called Mike, who um, is a young man. He's one of the, one of the lads uh, hang this sort of a group of them. There's there's Mike, there's Barry, there's Colin and there's Pete, who, who all um, share the same scenes and He's a close friend of Fred's, um, as all those boys are. And he, I think, not just the boys, I think all the characters in the play, sort of uh, um, frustrated with this sort of box they've been locked in by society. And um, 
and so they sort of live day by day and and not really looking to the future and and as a result mike certainly and 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 some of the other characters in the play sort of seek instant satisfaction and instant gratification which mm. takes a fairly extreme uh, turn in the play and um yeah i think he's he's a young hot-blooded 20-year-old working class man um and uh yeah he's fun to play and how familiar were you all with, with the play before you came to it this time uh, well i studied it at a level at my, okay. at my college uh Bandeen in brighton little shout out yeah little shout out. <laughs> <laughs> um but it was uh yeah we, we studied it at english literature so it was, it was like a really different really different way of, of coming to a play like mm. sat down in a classroom and uh, just talking about the themes. In fact, I've still got the textbook that I had, and <laughs> I thought I, I had done a really good job on it and written a good essay about it. But all the annotations are quite sort of tepid and, <laughs> and a little bit pathetic and obvious, uh, just sort of un- underlined like a, a violent word and put violence, that, that sort of thing. Um, but I, I remember really enjoying it because I remember my, my brother studied it as well and hearing about it from him and like the effect it was having on him as he was like studying it academically. Mm. So when when you have I don't know a relationship with a play that that you've you've started to mine the themes of, and you've started to think about what its relevance was and its impact on society. When you when you actually come to study it, and then you realise like how it affects you as you're sort of travelling through it. I think I think that's a really interesting union of uh, of a sort of intellect and, emo- and emotion like coming together, and that, which I really really loved. But I don't I don't remember quite as much as I'd like to from from studying it. Mm. Um, but I think I think there's there's scenes in it that really really stuck out and there were confusions that I had with it back then that have definitely been resolved now studying it like there was there's like a really a really specific thing that was about the gender of the baby that I I I really remember not it never being uh it never being identified and then uh Tahib who's playing Len pointed out that it is in in a single letter in one of the lines Mm. later on in in the play and I'd completely missed that and it's like something it's a huge bit of information um so yeah, it was it was really great to like rediscover it mm. in this way. I, I I didn't I I knew of it. I never read it and I never studied it, but I knew of it primarily really because of the controversy around it mm. and and the sort of infamous scene, which won't say because it's a spoiler. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I I didn't know I didn't know much about it, but mm. I, I I knew I knew of it and I was excited to do it. I didn't know it at all um, when I first read it, but it feels very familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in South East London on a council estate made of concrete, um, and I see a lot of the women in my mum's line in Mary. Um, and yeah, I just I felt like a lot of the things that I've spoken about, a lot of the characters, <coughs> felt very familiar to me. No, I don't know um, A lot of the concrete of the set and a lot of the conversations that we had about concrete quite early mm. on uh, with John about the stage design, um, yeah, really resonated with me. Um, yeah, so not too familiar, but yeah. kind of familiar. And the, like, the characters that you're all playing and the way you've described them, they're very fleshed out and there's a lot, there's a lot to them. Mm. Um, how have you approached your characters and has the history of the play influenced that in any way or are you trying to come at them completely fresh? Uh, well, I have started learning the accordion um, <laughs> because um, Mary, I have decided, 
Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm imposing so much and it's so obvious. <laughs> um, I don't want people to know, um, but oh well. Um, I decided that Mary played the accordion when she was younger. Uh, that's how she got um, money to live, really, with her mum. And I think that's important because it connects to my personal, my family history, which we discussed quite early on um, in connection with the play. There's a lot of parallels. And um, I think folk music was really important at the time. It's a kind of celebration. Uh, Accordions were around, interestingly, a lot in the 20s. And they had a revival in the 60s, which I found very interesting. And the 20s would have been... Uh, around Mary's youth um, and I find they really help with the posture um, just a lot of the things that I really wanted to embody I've found in uh, playing the accordion done other things too but um, that's my probably most interesting piece of research I've been driving everybody mad by <laughs> gradually just playing horrible music around the world. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's gotten better it's, it's gotten very, better very good. yeah music is massive I think it's, we've been listening to loads in the in the rehearsal room and um, I think it's it's helped massively for me, and and I know that you know Tahib, Joe, and other other people have been listening to music just warming up because it's it's so the music at that time, like the sixties, you had the Beatles, and but then it sort of started to get. We did a whole sort of research thing on on at the beginning, and and I looked at music, and and it it starts to get a bit heavier and a bit more angry with the Kinks and the Rolling Stones and the Who and things like that, and and I think that. It really, it's helped more than any other project I've done so far in terms of getting into the world and the character because these these kids are angry and they are frustrated and it, and I think it's really reflected in the music at the time and and how anarchic it is and sort of revolutionary. Um, so music has been a big a big thing for me and films because everyone yeah. likes films. Yeah, I think I think the music's really important because it was uh, it was like the birth of the teenager, like in the sixties. Yeah. This whole idea of swinging sixties, mm. and I tried to have a, a conversation with my granddad about it, and uh, he said by the time he was nineteen, he was married with two kids. This was in the sixties, <laughs> so we kind of missed out on all that. But um, I had a really long conversation with him about fishing because Fred's a really keen fisherman, and it seems to seems to be like his reason d'être almost, um, or like where he finds his calm, like his sort of tranquil place. Um, so I had had a really big conversation with him, and there's like just loads of stuff that I didn't realize, like the idea you buy worms. Like I, before speak to my granddad, I had this idea of him going out and digging for worms and all this. <laughs> but like he buys worms from my granddad buys them now from Wormworld.com. So, like, little plug. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, but it's I think that just the detail in, in the script and, and around the script that you know what the characters are doing, all the business with how they bait the hook is so specific that. Mm. You can't. You need to know it. Like you can't really, you can't be saying one thing and your hands are, are clumsily doing another one. So it's it's kind of getting the meticulous detail that mm-hmm. that Bond's been hinting at um, in in the text down, and that's that's been really crucial for me. Um, and then I think a lot of the character comes out of that. Like if you understand what your character's journey is, like around the text, then it, you you understand the decisions they make and what mm-hmm. sort of person they are. I think. Yeah. I think that thing about like. We both sort of referred to quite tactile things there, and I think another thing which is relevant for uh, me as Mary, but also a lot of the boys, I get the impression, is the clothes, um, yeah. the weight of the clothes, the importance of the clothes, the money that you spend on the clothes. You know, the mods versus the rockers was something that we investigated yeah. quite early on, the importance of how you present yourself. Mm. Like, Always you being are. seen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Mary has a, a scene which is a lot about 
suspenders and stockings and spanks and you know slips and all the all the layers of clothing and I think the text is so strong as everything is in there that it feels like there are very strong physical ways to manifest as well I don't know if that might sound terrible um but yeah I think that it's been a very physical and tactile experience mm. rehearsing it mm. and yeah we've recently had costume fittings and <laughs> very interesting <laughs> and how's the rehearsal process been for you John like what have you with such a kind of bare set almost and and such importance on the on the actors it's been through. it's been good I mean I I actually love a bare set I just did a play um that's transferred to New York and we had no props and um this very bare black kind of burnt out space so I feel like bare sets with no props is probably becoming my strange niche now um but I think that uh it what it does is that it enables you to kind of conjure uh, a visual world it really imaginatively Mm. because you're not tied down to um very naturalistic staging all of the time and you can create something that's much more expressionistic it's been it's been a good process I think it's been really revelatory I mean it's an obvious thing to say but it has been revelatory to come back to it again and to think about it um physically this play because I initially when I um read it I immediately thought I really want to do something with this and I was still at drama school and um we had an opportunity to do a rehearsed reading of the play so I wrote to Edward Bond and said I really want to do this rehearsed reading of Saved but I really want to know why you wrote it and whether you think I should do it now um and we wrote back and forth to each other for about six months and these really long letters, you know, really, really detailed talking about um, fishing and the idea of um, growing up in that time and place. And like, but my, my new, I mean, even down to, you know, how do you fix a chair and why would you? And throughout that process, you just begin to kind of build this visual world, I think, around what was essentially an an auditory experience because it was a reading. Mm. So then actually to bring it into a rehearsal room, you just actually begin to colour in the world that you started to create through the sound. Mm. Um and so the the movement of it, I mean, has been has been actually the biggest um wake up call for me because it is so physical. And you see that on the page, but actually it's it's so kind of lyrical and, mm. you know, verbally dexterous that you you it's easy to forget that. But once you get it into a room, it it blocks itself a lot of the time actually Mm. because it's so it's so kind of pragmatic i mean they just do one thing and then they just do the next thing and it's it's almost entirely unself-conscious as a piece of work which is is why i think it's so powerful because you're just watching people exist within an environment that you might not even be familiar with but but which is totally recognizable so i think that it's been about trying to maximize those gestures that he gives you in the script in a way that feels at times actually quite heightened but always real. That's that's the challenge probably of every play, but it particularly is the challenge of this play because mm. you have a responsibility to tell those people's stories. And they're all real people. Mm. I mean, sometimes you work on plays and you think these people exist in a world that's very far away from our own. And mm. actually with this on the first day, I think it was, we just came in and said, we have a responsibility to tell this story. Um, and that story is both incredibly sad and incredibly funny. Um, but we have that responsibility because they exist. And they existed mm. now and they still exist. Mm. And I think that's really moving to be able to work on something like that. Mm. It's a play that obviously had a, a quite a big role to play in, in the, the changing of Britain's censorship laws, um, but was also quite, had a quite a divided response at the time that it, that it came out, both from critics and, and audiences, uh, with like some people walking out and other people 
calling it titillating and gratuitous and all this kind of stuff, but others being really effusive in, in their praise for it. I'm curious to know just how, how you all feel about it as a, as a play. Like, do you like it? Do you dislike it, but think it's important? What are your thoughts about it generally? I, th- I think it's I, I think it's a fantastic play, um, and because I, I, I think it, it does what all great plays do, which is mm. it, it balances like ho- like horror and comedy and uh, like death and love, uh, which is like how how we live. And I think I think it could, it could flatline if it, if it was something that didn't have any comedy in it or it didn't show uh, any hope or any brighter side of human life. But it it really does. Like I think it. I think in 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 many different shades as well. Like it's, it shows it through like the rhythms of like quite a dysfunctional home, and it shows it through like the banter of like a group of guys that are together. And and in in that sort of humour, you find like the sort of thing that might might shock you, or it might you, you might disagree with, or you might feel it's a bit rude. But it is. But to, to other people, it's it, that is accessible comedy. Mm. Like a, how how a, how a group of of men like on their break at work at that time like might might have like joked around together um so i think i think the the, the event that, that people have um an issue with them and why it was um such a contentious play uh it is uh, to excuse the expression it is kind of cradled in something like the, in, in, a, in an incredibly poetic uh structure mm-hmm. and in an incredibly human structure and so you can't watch it and I, I, in my opinion you can't watch it and you can't read it and think that that's just put in there to titillate mm. it's completely put in there as a driving force for, for everything that the play stands for which is like this is this is actually happening and you need to you need to look at it and you need to take take heed and listen it's, it's, I think it's it's those critics of the play when it came out and those people there are probably you know I, I, no doubt there are people now who still have bad things to say about it and I, I think it's it's purely out of fear i think to confront something like this you know especially at the time this you know for for a certain group of people a, a certain class perhaps to come and see this play i think they weren't prepared to listen and and they didn't want to sort of face the reality of what was going on around them and i i think I, when i was doing my research i found a quote from this is my pretentious actor moment here. I found a quote from Laurence Olivier. Um, and he said, um, he said of the play, he said, Saved is a play that it's not for kids, it's for grown-ups, and the grown-ups of this country should have the courage to look at it. Mm. Um, I think that it sums it up. It's, it's, I think if you have the courage to watch this play, if you have the courage to take this play on and do it, um, then I think it can be immensely rewarding um, because it's, it's timeless, this play, it's relevant in the 60s and the 80s with Thatcher it's relevant now um, and I think it will be relevant for, for years as well to come yeah, I would echo that I think it's really interesting I was on the um, website the other day for um, the tickets and um, <laughs> there's a little uh, notice on it saying uh, something like this play contains distressing scenes which I've never actually seen on the Guildhall website before and I think you know if we talk about the effect it had in the 60s it's still having an effect now, you know, we still have to warn people about this play. I think that's because it tells a universal truth about human nature, um, something which in society there will always be a flux about how comfortable we are with it. I think at the time they were less so. Even now I think it, it's what the play deals with is taboo. And I think what is so 
revolutionary about the play and important about the play is that I have never heard a commentary on these people. Mm. There's never a note of mm. poor them and there's also never a note of savages or, oh, you know, they're working class, they're scum. There's none of that. And that is so beautiful and so important. And, um, yeah, I think the... I just think it's a story that will last forever. It tells something... Something I've learned is about the Eros and the Thanatos. And the Eros is the life instinct and the Thanatos is the death instinct. And those are two things which have always existed within the human psyche. Um, and there will always exist uh, the desire to destruct and uh, aggressive behaviours and sexual behaviours, behaviours that make us uncomfortable and they are timeless. And I think they're really embodied in this play. I'm paraphrasing her. <laughs> um, and I don't mean to, but Sarah Kane once said that everything you need to know about playwriting you can learn from reading saved. And I think that's really powerful. And mm. I think she took on that kind of iconoclastic spirit of representing people who were underrepresented, actually, and giving a voice to people who didn't have a voice. Um, and that has been the legacy of British playwriting mm. for the past half a century. And I think that that legacy has a, an incredible debt to to this play and this writer mm. and that we should as as um tom alluded to that we should we should not be afraid to look away from it i think uh, i think as well sorry <laughs> i think um what you just said really reminded me of, again about the set and the set being stone um just the fact that the play is set in stone it's carved in stone it's it's kind of carnal it's eternal it's been mm. there since you know yeah. caveman it's really I just think that really represents how permanent the story is and exactly what you're saying about that defining solid moment in mm. theatre. Yeah. And uh, just jumping back quickly to its history with, with censorship when it, was, when it first came out, um, here at Guildhall we're doing a, uh, an event in partnership with Shakespeare's Globe on the 21st of February, which is a panel discussion uh, looking at theatre censorship mm. and whether it's still alive and kicking. And I just wondered whether you thought there was anything that was still challenging our, our freedom of expression today in the in the theatre world, whether there were still guardians uh, in a way that are almost stopping people from seeing certain things or, or dictating a bit what, what we see? I think it's, John, you might know more about this than me, but and do correct me if I'm wrong, but in, it, you know, in the, certainly in the, in the world of theatre now, it seems like there's much more freedom than, and ease, certainly in this country, to to sort of say what you want. Um, I think there's obvious exam examples, um, not necessarily to do with theatre, but just I think that's why this this play is so timely. Is you know we 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 promised ourselves not to mention his name in the rehearsal room, and we've done a pretty good job. But there's an obvious example in a orange man in a big house in America who um who is is trying to to destroy that freedom whether it's shutting down a news network or stopping a book it's there's that going on and i think even as recently as things like me too and times up and and mm. all this sexual assault stuff where and it, it, it I, I was thinking about that the other day because it 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 there's an element there have been people coming out at the moment set, you know questioning whether this movement's gone too far and this is <laughs> relevant i promise um <laughs> whether it's gone too far and 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 whether it's a witch hunt and 
I think again that links into this fear of confronting something and 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 this desire to be comfortable and this desire to uh, carry on with the way things are mm. and I think that is is sort of the un- underlying feeling with a lot of these critics of the of the sort of era 50 50 times up movement thing and 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 it, I think it is it's fear and that's what we this play is this this sort of you know this play famously came back from the censor with red crosses on every page mm. um and women's rights have had red crosses across every page for years and the same with civil rights and 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 I think that's why there's constantly things being thrown up which this play can can relate to although this is I think it's safe to say this is predominantly about class this play and but all of that comes into it as well it's it's not solely about one thing it's so universal and as you said it it um it will it will sort of go on forever because it is set in stone and I think it potentially paved the way for other things as well this play completely yeah, I think um, I think I think something that uh, censorship is isn't always uh, so, so. Sometimes it can be protective as well, um, or perhaps it's not censorship. But something that's that's definitely affecting our training um, in in the next coming months is uh, intimacy training is going to be introduced, which is like the concept that intimate scenes are choreographed and looked at like a like a fight call in in a similar way. And um, I think that's that's something that's incredibly important for, for us as young actors going into the industry, that there is this notion that you can be you can be taught how to handle these scenes um, that may make you feel uncomfortable, and that to to some people's eyes maybe is a sort of censorship on impulse or uh, mm. their improvisation rights, if that's the thing. But um, I think it's an incredibly important thing that's happening that we're going to be subject to and um, and and learn about soon. Mm. Um, because, uh, because because I don't I don't think but I don't think like if you have like a stage combat lesson or a fight call you you say that it blocks your fighting impulses because I don't think that's the thing and, and people's safety uh, physical safety is is a really obvious thing and it's now becoming more relevant that mental safety is just as important mm-hmm. um, so I think that's a step in a really positive direction in, in, in theatre definitely I don't, I think this is one of the questions where I don't have anything to add to that. I feel like it's been said right yeah. now. I really want to say that I've been uh, never separated from Tahid. That would make the old talk. And uh, I, I think that's the, one, of my, one of my greatest achievements. <laughs> uh, again, being in this play with him. So that's an, a, the nice shout out to end on yeah. after your plugs for <laughs> Wormworld <laughs> and <laughs> your high school. <laughs> <Wormworld. laughs> Tune into the end of the podcast so you can hear Joe do a full advert for Wormworld. I've got the material. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, massive thanks to John, Tom, Ellie and Joe for joining us for this podcast uh, today. Saved runs from the 5th to the 15th of February in the Milton Court Studio Theatre. Uh, and you can get tickets for that online from the Barbican box office. Go to gsmd.ac.uk slash events for more info. And you can also find out more about the theatre censorship talk that's happening at the end of February there too. Uh, and follow and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us at Guildhall School on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So thanks very much for coming. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.